The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. Uh, the reason Jordan wrote this after 10 was because even Jordan needed a palate cleanser after Crossroads of Twilight. <laughs> and so that's why he dove back into this. Yeah. Uh, take that for what it is. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode 213. Today, we're discussing New Spring, the Wheel of Time prequel, but we will get there in just a moment. First, introductions. I am Craig Hanks, your host, and over there, he's dark friendier than Shaitan himself. It's Ken Johnson. And he's twice as broody. And he'd make a terrible warder, unless you count severe gas as a weapon. It's Ryan Bruckman. I'm a land man, and you know it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and and if channeling the one power drives men insane then he is definitely the dragon reborn it's kyle lemon dude i'm really good at driving men insane (laughs) (laughs) that right from the get-go homoeroticism we're good this is not this is not going well we're just we're just now taking your insults as compliments the thing is like backfiring on you i feel like we've are you uh, insane (laughs) are you gaslighting me yes no, that's Ryan. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's the gassy one. Uh, so I feel like we, we've we gotten a little bit better, maybe, at podcasting since our Wheel of Time episodes, but now we've just reverted straight back to where we once were, uh, the four of us, uh, at that point. So anyway, we, but we'll get to Wheel of Time first. Some housekeeping. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for listening to us. If you're listening to us on our website or somewhere else that's, uh, you know, on online, that's great. But it will be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe. So subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. And uh, if you'd be so kind, if you like what you hear here, make sure you give us a five-star review on iTunes. They do help us quite a bit, and we appreciate them greatly. If you don't like what you hear, don't, don't worry about star. it. Just don't worry about Grab it. Grab your coworker's phone who you hate and subscribe to us on his phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and you can, uh, let's see, support the show at patreon.com slash legendarium and join the conversation at thelegendarium.reddit.com. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord. I, I feel like I'm missing something. The spread's gotten way too big. I, I don't know. know where we, we really are. like. I we're really... like an internet rash. We've just we're popping up everywhere. <laughs> We've bumped up everywhere. There's got to be a social media called Unicorn with a K instead of a C or something. We'll get what? there. We should be there. Hey, what? We were on MZ. Back down, sir. That's... Back down. We were on MZ. That we were on right. MZ. That we're. I think we're what helped drive it into the ground. Actually, so you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> um, all if right. If we had been on Google Plus, we would have saved it. Uh, we were. Were we? Yeah, wow. sure. I guess we didn't save it. Two for two. MZ Google Plus. <laughs> Anything Watch else you'd like out, us to kill, Facebook. guys? Just leave a, leave us a note on Reddit what you'd like us to kill next. We'll get on that. We're also on Facebook. Facebook. I, I said Facebook. I know. Oh, okay. I'm saying if I say Back it to the three episode. times, maybe Gosh. we'll kill it. All right, so I am done talking about that now. I will also mention, in case you missed it, I don't know how you would have because we plastered it all over everything, but last week... 
Uh, Ryan and I had the opportunity to sit down with Brandon Sanderson and discuss a Terry Pratchett novel, The Truth, which is Discworld number 25. Uh, and I thought it was a fantastic episode. One of my favorite things about it, and Ryan, I think you concur with this, is that even if it weren't Brandon Sanderson in quotation marks, you know, the the brand that is Brandon Sanderson, it would still have been a great episode because he was a fantastic panelist. Yeah, he spoke really well to the book and I have never before, I shouldn't say never before, but felt so simultaneously enlightened and incredibly stupid at the same time. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, it's, that's the nice thing about bringing any new panelist on is that they're going to see things that you don't. New insights. And yeah, in a way, it kind of makes you feel foolish for like, oh man, why didn't I say that? But <laughs> I read this book. I, know, I, I did. I know these characters. <laughs> I have things to add to this. There, well, and the other there thing were is- words in everything. Um, I mean, he mentioned this to us afterwards. He said that this was one of his favorite books ever and that he's read it and reread it and reread it. And you know, he's a huge Pratchett fan. So it's a bit like uh, inviting me on to some podcast to talk about Tolkien. Um, like, I just have a ton of knowledge at my disposal. And so he was the same way. Anyway, it's a great episode. You should go listen to it. It's episode number 212. Um, if you, if you're listening to this in three years, then, uh, it's, it's still there. Go check it out. Uh, all right. So let's move on to new spring. So this is the wheel of time prequel. Um, it, this was released. I want to say it was, was it between 10 and 11? Um, that between, yeah, between so. the releases of books 10 and book yep. 11, this one was released. And so we're going to get into reading order and all that stuff. Uh, you know, when we suggest diving into this book. We'll get to all that, but first, let's do a plot synopsis. Ken Johnson, our plot synopsis uh, wizard, is here, so take it away. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Let me question, question. Have you guys ever had that really cool family member who's led an awesome life and all sorts of cool adventures, and you just love hearing stories about their life? That's pretty much New Spring. Done? No, not done. 20 years before we meet, three impish Tavir and a couple of tut-tutting braid tuggers were charmed with the story of Moraine Domadred, the young, accepted sidear junkie and her sorority sister, pillow friend, Suan Sanche. They're yucking it up college style, having all night slumber parties, pulling pranks on the mean girls who's way too high strung and stress cramming for that huge final coming up. You know, the one that will basically determine literally how long or short their lives will be. But amid the white tower, the college years, the Aes Sedai get the foretelling they've been dreading for millennia. And Moraine and Suan are there to witness it. The dragon has been reborn and he's going to do some world breaking. So in between dodging plots to put her on the sun throne and a certain annoying uh, rogue Aes Sedai who shall remain Catswain, Moraine Suan and post-Aeel war Alan Mandragoran stumble upon the Black Aja plot, which has seen the Amarlin seat and her dragon searchers mysteriously dead. Moraine manages to put a knife in the Black operative who also happens to be their mistress of novices, so... I'm sure that puts a nice, tidy end on the Black Aja Machinations. There will be no hey, more. Machinations. There you go. Yeah, did you work that in I on purpose? I sure did. Okay, cool. Why, why would I do that? <laughs> so I'm sure that we will have no more you know, need to see the Black Aja. It's all been nicely tidied wrapped up, and, up. And, and wrapped up in a bow. So She convinces <laughs> the warrior and grieving land to bond her as a warder, or bond as her warder, and thus begins their three-person stealth hunt for the Dragon Reborn. For your information, arms folded under their breast count, four Four? Oh, I got two. Were there Dark, four? Yep, there were four. Wow. Dark okay. One's taint count, a disappointing one. 
No braid tugging or no, mustache. No, I know nothing. there were at least two of those. No, there was there were several uses of the word taint, as in tainted something or something was tainted, but the dark one's taint. There was only one. Okay, all right. There was no braid tugging because there's no naive. Because there's in no this naive. One. There's no muck, knuckle uh, mustache knuckling because there's no Tom. And uh, a question: What in the world is the dreaded slipper? I, what? That was used twice. Oh, oh, it's that's what the uh, it's what the the uh, were you never beaten as a child, mistress of novices. That's the mistress of novices beat, would yeah. use a slipper to beat. Would the, use a slipper to beat him. I guess. You ever seen Coco? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the chancla. Yeah, she uses the chancla. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Okay. That's a real um, thing. That is a real, so, that's a real thing. Yeah. Ken, thank you, thank you for your recap. There we go. I do want to ask Ryan though about the recap that you found, which <laughs> I thought was brilliant. <laughs> Uh, you were kicking around online somewhere. Was it like a Wikipedia yeah, recap Wikipedia, or something? Yeah, like so, just so <laughs> give us give us the, the depths uh, of the internet. Give us the Wikipedia. plot summary for New Spring according to the internet. New Spring focuses mainly on Moraine Damadred and Swan Sanche, two Aes Sedai new to the Sisterhood, and how a young Moraine became Aes Sedai, met Land Mandragon, and Man, made him what? Her- try that one more. Yeah, time. thank you. I I wow met Land Mandragon and made him her warder. The end, <laughs> okay. which is perfect because that is exactly it. And um, we'll get we'll get to all the other the the, the uh, intricacies or lack thereof in just a moment. But uh, I was kind of shocked at just how small this story was. And I mean, you look at it; it's obviously thinner than the other books, and so there's not as much to get through. But um, but as we're going through this story, the first half of it is leading up at least the first half is leading up to the test that Moiraine takes um and uh, Swans happens off camera as well um but there's a ton of just chilling at the white tower for that first half of the book and I'm sitting there going like uh uh, uh RJ it, plot and plot Craig's no? a plot man I do I well <laughs> yeah to a certain extent I mean there are times when I've like what? Okay, Ryan. Ryan, let it out. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I'm like, I wonder what are the what are the other parts of the story that you that that you're interested in there? <laughs> what are you talking about? I like a good. If you're a plot man, <laughs> come on, you gotta. Make I don't connection. get it. Are There's you a legs man. man, an ass man? Or uh, you... That was the joke. Ryan got it. And Ken got it. He was chuckling over there. If we were Craig just gonna let it go, up. let you keep going on your flow, but no, you <laughs> you decided to call it out. I, I just it's didn't like get it. Episode of Seinfeld. I, yes, where I he's mean the now I, I get that. I, I like just, a couple uh, of good round plots in my book. <sighs> he's a plot I was also man. I give up. All right, you guys talk about whatever you want. I was also going to call you out because, like, well, you're giving him a hard time. How long are we in the Shire? <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's true. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I don't <laughs> anymore. So it's your guys' turn. Go ahead. <laughs> I. I will say the book is built in two parts, if I'm not mistaken. Like the part after all of the college year stuff was what he originally wrote as kind of a short story, mm-hmm. right? And it was just yep. kind of a filler thing while he was killing time until Knife of Dreams came out. Yep. And then he expanded it so that it could be a full story. And he mm-hmm. expanded it into the first 18 chapters of what we get, 17, 18, yep. whatever chapters we get. And I think it fills out quite nicely. I, it was light. It's, it, it's a novelette. It's it's a filler novel. It's, it's not supposed to have the, raging the plot. It is not. It is not. This is a full length novel. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess I shouldn't say it's a novelette. It is a full compared to other Wheel of Time novels. Maybe it's not it so is, long. Yes. But it is not an epic fantasy novel. It is a filler by epic fantasy terms. And 
I think it does nicely. It's not supposed to have, you know, deep meaning plots and, and far reaching consequences and that it's supposed to be kind of light and fill in some of the holes maybe for the characters that you sure. like. Sure. So it gives me the feel of like the, the DVD extras, the special features. Yeah. Um, where you get a little bit more backstory or even if you want to, if you want to throw it in like Lord of the Rings movies terms, it's like extended editions versus sure. theatrical release. Extended edition just gives you a little bit more there, like a little bit more character building, a little bit more insight. Like, I don't think that you actually get a land point of view in the larger series until there might be like really small snippets of it, but you only get those after I think Sanderson takes over. Right. And so this is the first time that you actually get a land point of view <laughs> from Jordan himself. Um, and then also, you don't, you get very few Moraine point of view chapters in the larger series too. So you get to get, you get inside of these two main characters heads a little bit more. You see what makes them tick. Um, and that's really, I think all that this book is supposed to be. That's all that was intended by kind it. Of like flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to the proportion that you would expect, Len is probably an eighth of this book. Yep. Like I, I, that, yeah. I had two things coming into this book that um, kind of surprised me coming out of, uh, by the time I finished the first was I had, for whatever reason, a different understanding of where Moraine, uh, Moraine was when she found Rand. I don't know why, like having her being accepted in this book and having Rand be born then, I was like, whoa, I thought she'd been an Aes Sedai, like an Aes Sedai for a, generation, for a long time yeah. already, yeah. Um, not 20 years, which admittedly it's still 18 or whatever it is mm-hmm. to find it. But like, so that was the first thing, like, okay. So she's still kind of kind of new to the whole Aes Sedai thing. She's just really good at it because she was she's Kyrianan. Um the other thing um that kind of surprised me was it started with Lan and I went, "Cool. This is a character I would love to get to know him a little bit more, get to know a little bit more into his mind." And then we get into Moraine Psych- and then it goes yeah. Moraine, 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 Moraine. I'm like, "Okay, we are doing this exactly the way Lan. We we got our you are wanted moment and we're moving on <laughs> now." And he comes back at the end I'm like, "Okay, he, we're still back here a little bit." So I I did appreciate that. It just took me a minute to go, "Okay, this is a Moraine book." Like, yeah. I thought this was both of them, but it's more Moraine than than Lan. More rain. More rain. Now, Lan is in 26% <sighs> of this book, by the way. Really? Mm-hmm. Le- well, he's in, in 20- or his, per- it, yeah. his, his, perspective. his perspective is 26% of the book. Yeah, well, mm, that didn't works. feel like that much, but uh, it didn't. okay. It, it didn't, but he is. So let's uh, let's back up and, and we'll get into the story proper, I think, again in just a moment. But maybe we should talk about reading order. Uh, this is something yeah. that was brought up uh, on the Reddit threads. I'll look up exactly who brought this up. But uh, this came out, so between books 10 and 11, if I'm not mistaken. And so those who kind of uh, read along with this series as it was being released probably would have read it at that time. Kyle, did you read this between 10 and 11? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, um, uh, I didn't. This was my first time reading it. Uh, And same for you, Ryan and Ken? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So... It, this was, for us, it was after we were done with the entire series. But maybe we can try to make some arguments for the three different ways that people suggest. Some suggest that you read this first, before you ever step foot into the eye of the world. Some suggest that you read it in publication order. 
So between 10 and 11, others say, wait until you're done with the series, then go back and read it. Um, which way, Ken, do you think is the most defensible? Uh, which one would you suggest? I think it is more defensible to say read it between 10 and 11. Personally, I think if you read it anywhere in that muddy middle, which is what I call books 7 through 10, anywhere in there is probably okay. I would not suggest reading it first. I mean, I realize it takes place 20 years before book one. You don't know any of the characters. You're not, you don't care about any of this stuff until you have a reason to care. And that's what books one through 10 give you is a reason to care about these characters. So it, like I said, now, it's, at, the, at that point though, by book 10, Moiraine has been, uh, she's gone for several books by then. Yeah. 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 At, have we spoiler alerted the whole series yet, by the way? Um, I, I just, I want to do that for, you know, for anybody who's, then. anybody who's, uh, coming in at, like reading, anybody, After anybody who dropped a couple spoilers. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. We probably did. If you are, um, put at the front, if you are listening in reading order, we're going to spoil the end of the series probably at some point during this episode. So just heads up. Uh, now you've had time to shut it off. Did you shut it off? Good. You shut it off. All right. Um, Moraine's been gone. And she's going to come back in 12, 13, 13, 13. Um, but anyway, like Ken, you're saying like, oh, okay. So now we've had a chance to care about these characters, but like Swan is the only one. And I guess Lan a little bit, uh, but Swan is the, the only major player left. By Even Lan book 10. is on hiatus for a good portion. Of yeah, that, exactly. He goes crazy after Moraine disappears, basically. Right. right. We don't get him back till he's sweaty wolf Lan at the, <laughs> the end. The, the ladies yeah. love that one. Yeah. That's how I want to be known. Sweaty wolf Lan. So um, anyway, so I guess I'm, I'm my point just being like, if somebody's a huge fan of Lan and Moraine, um, then it's fun to like dive back in because you miss them in book 10 you know by the time you get to book 10 yeah you're like oh i wish i could read more about them so uh it's a great time to, to jump in i guess but if you mm -hmm. don't care about them if you if you hated reading moraine and land stuff then why would you want to read an entire half wheel of time novel yeah, about them true yeah i definitely go with uh with ken saying don't read it first this is not meant to be read as the first entry into the wheel of time series it's meant to be read later uh, for a first read through for a first for, read yeah yeah absolutely. absolutely i would probably recommend reading it after the entire series um i would say be careful with that because it tends to spark the reread so if you just read 14 <laughs> books and then you start new spring you're gonna want to just jump right back in and read uh, all 14 again <laughs> so if yep. that take that for what it is uh i think it's perfectly fine to read it anywhere in you know 9 10 ish i actually have a theory that uh, the reason Jordan wrote this after 10 was because even Jordan needed a palate cleanser after Crossroads of Twilight. <laughs> and so that's why yeah, he dove back right. into this. Yeah. Uh, take that for what it is. No, that's, uh, that seems about right. I think I'm with you guys. Don't read it first. Uh, either of the other two are acceptable. Um, for us, I mean, we finished book 14 a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, and so this, we've had a really nice, healthy break between then and now. Um, you're right, Kyle, this does kind of spark that reread bug in me. Mm -hmm. And I would give into that if we didn't have a bajillion other things to read for yeah. the show. Uh, but we do. And so, so I'm not going to take the time right now to do it, but, um, uh, but yeah, it, it reminded me of what I love. 
it, it was a little bit off-putting to have to deal with Moraine and, and Swan as accepted. Um, I think he does a great job with it and everything. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not talking about him as a writer, but just me as a reader. It was uh, it well. They're, was not, like, they're not the same characters that you're familiar with. Exactly. They haven't, they haven't learned and and peaked yet. Yeah, and they're he does going he does those. a good job of of making them uh, recognizable but different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it was a little it was a little awkward for me, and I'm trying to decide how much I enjoyed this. And uh, maybe yeah. by the end of this conversation, I'll have come down yeah. on. Uh, where I'm at with it, but it was at the very least, it was kind of a, a bit of a salve to my soul. You know, you, you miss the Wheel of Time and you miss mm-hmm. uh, his particular way of writing. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the audiobooks, you miss uh, Kate Redding and Michael Kramer's voices after a while. And so when you come back into this, it's just like it's like lowering yourself into a warm bath for mm-hmm. a little while. It just feels nice. Uh, to get back into it regardless of you know the worth of the story or whatever i i honestly believe i don't think robert jordan wrote this book to be this way but this book is the kindling to start the fire like once you've read the series once now like when the series wasn't finished it had a different purpose when he wrote it, it had a different purpose now that it's finished and you can the only reason like I would put this one in chronological order to read after that is as a kindling, as a piece to go, oh yeah, because there's so many little call-outs in it that remind you of what's in the path to come, that it's like, the purpose of this book is to get you excited about going and reading 14 books again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... All the little cameos, all the, yeah, like you said, all the call-outs, and, and just seeing seeing characters like Cad Swain show up. Like, I, I despise Cad Swain, but having her pop up in this book is like, Oh yeah, Cad Swain. And she doesn't come in until like book seven. Yeah. And so yeah. Cad Swain's appearance in this is actually a really good argument to me for reading them in book order between nine or ten or whatever, because reading it after the series, you get so much meat about Cad Swain in this book that mm-hmm. putting it right there in the middle really fleshes out that story a lot. It's a lot of stuff that you miss going from book eight where she confronts Rand, or seven or whatever where she confronts Rand and shows up and all that stuff at the end where he kind of puts her in her place. And this really gives some some heft to that. I mm-hmm. and Maybe depending on how you feel about Cad Swain, because I might argue that if you don't really care about, like if you don't like Cad Swain, this isn't going to make you like, and you haven't finished yet. Like you don't have that nice moment of her getting her comeuppance at the end a little bit by being made Amarillin. So you're kind of like, I don't, why, why would I want to know more about this character that drives me absolutely insane right now? That is a good point. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I like Cad Swain. I don't know if I did when I read it, but I do now. Like, I like her. You mm-hmm. Wait, wait, now, hang on. Let me clarify. Do you like her? Like, you would enjoy spending time with her or you like her as a character? I like her as a character. Yeah, acceptable answer. I do not know if she could stand to be in the room with any of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate yeah. her. I hate Cad Swain. Uh, like, as a character, even as a character, I'm like, oh, was this completely necessary because this is making me hate this series every time she's on screen? <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I guess I could see liking her as a character. I'm really interested. But she's in, awful. I'm really interested in hearing that. Um, and this is just teaser, whatever. Um, 
about how you're going to feel about some other characters and stuff we're coming that we're going to be reading coming up because yeah. I there's someone who kind of compares to Cat Swain in my mind that I didn't connect until just now, but I'd be interested to see all in a in a Brent Weeks thing. Yeah, in Night okay. Angel. All right, so we'll we'll be on the lookout for that. Well, okay, so Jafu was uh, somebody who was asking us about all the the reading order stuff, but Jafu also mentions um, or has this other question. What new perspectives does New Spring give you? Particularly curious if you have any thoughts on how it reshapes your perspective on the first book or two. Um, so, I, I I wonder, there's a word that kept coming up in our Reddit thread, and so I assume this is a word that people use all the time for this book and other possible planned books, but an outrigger novel. Mm-hmm. They're calling it an outrigger which I think is really a, a really interesting word choice because an outrigger is the little it's the it's the attachment to like a canoe or a boat mm-hmm. right and it's kind of a stabilizer uh, to help you keep from falling over right and so as I was picturing that I'm thinking of the first book or two or three where and we talked about this during our regular wheel of time episodes um, Jordan wasn't planning on a 14 book series at first, right? right? So he's planning on these three books and then he kind of has to scramble uh, to create more story. Um, it, like he zooms out on the world and just and blows everything up and, and makes it huge and epic. Um, and he has to do it to do a little bit of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for when you, uh, when you retrofit your plot, Retcon? retcon yeah retcon yeah so he's, he's got to do some retconning and it, it was almost like this book like at, at the outrigger portion or the outrigger uh feature of this book is it's kind of serving as a way to retcon some of that book one stuff and and make things important that you might not have caught or worried about originally in book one does that make sense like the the plot was kind of flimsy and it could tip over uh, so he, he puts some things in there, whether it's in books four through nine or in this outrigger novel to kind of stabilize it mm-hmm. and, and help it stay yeah. cohesive. Yeah, he's right. absolutely Do you- doing that. I mean, there's the whole uh, the whole scene where Moraine and Swan decide to choose the blue Aja and then they're getting basically their orientation to the blues. Yeah. And they talk about that's where they, they describe in depth the the deference that you give to a sister who has more power than sure. you. Sure. Mm-hmm. And absolutely that is a retcon in order to kind of stabilize the idea that one, Swan had to become Amerlin really quickly. And also the Wonder Girls in the main series that all of a sudden when they become Aes Sedai because they're so powerful, they are then uh, in charge. And so there's a lot of that that happens in the series. Even when you're talking about the boys like Ran and Perrin and Matt, they're all super young and have very little experience, but they get put in charge. And sometimes we chalk that up to Taviran, but in the in an Aes Sedai sense, that is 100% the hierarchy of power. And he fleshes that out more in this book to right. stabilize that idea. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, I think I agree with you um, just because... So so much of it feels like and and don't get me wrong I don't use retconning as a, a purely negative term no. I know that it, it's kind of a term of abuse for a lot of people that's not how I mean it I think there are perfectly acceptable retcons mm-hmm. to be made right. so so anyway that <laughs> caveat aside 
I I'm going to just go on the record here and say I disagree a little bit. Okay. Because I I feel like we're putting purpose on something that that was not the intent there. Maybe like, it could be a side thing. I don't. Each of those concepts I think is plenty fleshed out in the books, like in the main series. Without this, yes, but mm. when it's later on. Yeah. But he didn't. You do you think he wrote this to go back and fix one, two, and three? Is that what you're saying? No, not not to. Fix. I think fix would be overdoing it, but just to make them consistent. Yeah, give it a little consistency. Like um, when he, you read book three, and uh, and Rand has his. It, it was supposed to be the great battle with the dark one, um, and then he has to go oh. back and be like, oh no, that was just uh, what was Baalzaman. What, what's the guy's name? Was that Ishamael? Ishamael. Oh yeah, he was crazy, and he thought he was the dark one. It's it, like. Those little touches where it's just like uh, it doesn't change anything from books one, two, and three. It doesn't fix anything, but it allows for uh, things to make sense that might not have otherwise. It'll, so, like before you get, so let's go back to the, like the hierarchy because it is absolutely explained in the larger series. But before you get that explanation, there are instances when Egwene gets to the tower or Elaine's in the tower that you see sisters deferring. And so you kind of naturally get that. And I don't think that there's ever a spot that is explicitly uh, laying it out the way that it is in New Spring. But you kind of gradually get that sense over time and you understand the concept. And I think that he's just putting that all the way at the front so that if you were to go do a reread and you see that happening in book two when they're in the tower or whatever, it's like, okay, I get this now. You can kind of see those subtle hints a little bit more they're a little bit more obvious now. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sold on it, but yeah, yeah sure, I get sure. it. No, that's fine. Um, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ken. Here's a new perspective that I picked up from this book that, that I found interesting. Um, Elida's hatred toward Moraine specifically and, and Suan. And, and I guess by, uh, by proxy, Elaine and Egwene and, and Nynaeve, cause they were, subjects you know or followers followers of maureen it, it fleshes that out a little bit more you can you can understand a little bit more why she was so antagonistic toward them why she hated them so much it doesn't make me like her anymore i still think she was she was completely awful i, I, but I feel like i'm just being the contrarian here i don't think i i, I, I don't think so because i i remember as i was reading this and seeing because they pick it up almost immediately that since she has taken off and to be the advisor to um, more more gays, yeah, like she comes back and she basically tortures these girls in you know in preparation for the test, like preparing them for the test, right? But doing it in such a way that's not really like it's going to help them, but it's not helpful. I I still don't understand why she does that to them. What 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 happened in there? What did I miss? That happened. That's, that I'm with you. Yes, I, I'm with well, you, Ryan. I, I'm with you on that. On that point, I don't understand why she was so hard on them. We just get the more examples of her being. But mean. we get. But we get examples of them. Hey, let's put a frog in her bed. Let's put. Let's. This will show her. This. You know. So they they keep picking at her, and she's she's far so, too red, far too, uh, yeah, I high can strung and 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 tense. You know, and and hard on the girls, but. Then they they do things to to pick at her and and pick on her and later and I I can see why their reaction to her would cause her to it's, be more hate filled but I it's still pride so, oh it's absolutely pride so Elida was one of the fastest 
novices and accepted to ever be raised to sister to a sister and they make a comment in here about how both swan and moraine are keeping pace if not outpacing what elida had done and elida does not like that she wants them to fail so she's trying to make it so that she'll fail the test and even when they get tested when moraine is tested she's throwing in there she's throwing things in there trying to make it so moraine won't pass the test because elida wants to be she wants that recognition. She wants that like inherent power of being the the golden child type uh, archetype there, I guess. Right. So basically it's coming down to she's trying to stunt their growth so that, so that she, she looks, looks better. Awesome. And because she's an awful human to them, they then in turn play pranks on her and then it just kind of grows from there. Yeah. But the so initial inception of that is just her pride and wanting to basically out like not have them outdo what she's done that makes sense it's like the prank argument is pretty weak to me but the but that makes more sense to me knowing her as a character i just i'm i, I want the passage that clarifies that for me like i yeah. i yeah we don't may not have that quote and you know ready to pull up but yeah. that's for me i i missed that moment mm -hmm. yeah to to make that connection yeah um all right so let's move on to uh something else here actually maybe we'll just uh yeah oh no okay i want to go to a question from john king's point uh on reddit i i hope i'm saying that right uh so i'm just gonna call him john i'm gonna assume that this person's name is john john stone junk Junk, junk junk says junk ings point <laughs> what uh kicking the junk is that, <laughs> um, that okay so what is the best foreshadowing moment in new spring that has a huge payoff in later books in your opinion um the prophecy the oh <laughs> <laughs> wow har, har, har. so uh mine mine would be the uh when Nynaeve is it in book 12, 13, when Nynaeve goes and rallies the Malkiri. Um, oh, yeah. And we get to oh, learn yeah. a little bit more about what that actually means and what that entails. And uh, not only the history and the fall of the Malkiri, but what they're all kind of up to in the intervening years. We get to see a few more of them now. Um, I thought that was fantastic stuff. I agree. I think that's one thing. One of my favorite things that this book does is gives us a weight to the Malkiri portion of the story that we don't get mm -hmm. like it's a beautiful moment and I, I remember us all loving it oh yeah in the books when you know land says the golden crane flies again or whatever and we're like ah yes <laughs> but this time it's like okay we're getting we get some extra weight because we see how many times is it like this has been tried before yeah uh, this woman has tried to do like i thought it was super interesting that <clears throat> that what's her name? i i can't remember the names anymore but uh the the woman that's trying to kind of usurp uh, Malkiri authority mm -hmm. from Lan in in twisted ways, um, like this idea that the Golden Crane will fly again, and uh, and that that's being used politically as as a way to manipulate the Malkiri uh, was uh, makes naive stuff all the more interesting. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives it a little depth. Even Malkir has a little bit of their own game of houses going on there. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Not purely war, uh, war culture. What were you going to say, Kyle? Uh, I'm going to change. So if anybody wants yep. to talk about Malkir, that's fine. Okay. So my favorite foreshadowing moment was 
So Elida is basically abusing Moraine and Swan to try to get them ready for the test, right? Okay. And then she gets in trouble and, and Borderline is going to get a penance from the sisters or from the Hammerlin or whatever for doing that. And they say something about like, she was going to help you cheat or something. Uh, so the quote that I found for this foreshadowing was really interesting. It's Swan. And she says, uh, when she told, when she told Swan as much and her reasoning, the taller woman grunted sourly. Well, I never wanted to be her friend. Did I, I tell you once, once I gain the shawl, if she ever tries to harm me again, I'll make her pay. And so just the whole Elida and armor or Elida and Swan. Right. That's going to happen. Um, because she absolutely, uh, harms her <laughs> a lot. Yes, yeah, indeed. Uh, okay. Anybody else foreshadowing stuff or should we move on to another question? Um, no, I think <laughs> Ken doesn't like foreshadowing. I, oh, I do. I just, I, Ryan, you like the prophecy. The That's things I like, enough. the yeah. things I like the most were already mentioned. So, well, I'm trying. I, I, I just can't recall them right now. Yeah, that's I because as I'm going through, I remember like all these different moments where I go, ah, yeah, well, I, yeah I, I know what that's gonna do. That's gonna. Yeah, I, I saw but, the big ones. I was just trying to find those subtle ones, and I don't. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot of like when the when King Layman goes down and dies or whatever, and then they're talking about Terengel, and Terengel can't become king because he's married to. Uh, What's her name? Not it's not Morgay's, but it's Rand's mom, yeah. Tigraine. T-Grain. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he can't become king of Kyrian because he's married to the Andorn king or queen, and uh, just that kind of stuff that's in there. That's like, oh, I see what's going so you're on just here. Filling in the spaces, mm-hmm. uh, kind of filling in the cracks a little bit. Yep, a lot of that going on. In fact, I was wondering um, at portions of this, not very often, but there were a couple of moments and. Uh, Forgive me for not remembering exactly which ones they were, but uh, you remember in Rogue One when uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 pop up for no reason other than for the audience to go, hey, it's C-3PO and Mm R2-D2. To keep the thing going that they're the only characters that are in every Star Wars movie? Maybe, yeah, I guess. Is that still true? Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, um, fan service, I guess. Uh, There were a few moments where I felt like, ugh, are you doing and and at a certain point I wonder if Robert Jordan was giving himself fan service so to speak. Um <laughs> just, but are you going to oh coin the, the fan servicing himself? <laughs> uh but you know what I mean like little references where it's like oh that that was a bit gratuitous like yeah. kind of referencing back to the the main series but yeah I mean uh, you get a bunch of them like Alana and Baron and Cad Swain right they all show up. Yeah. Um where it's like, yeah, this this really was not necessary to tell this story. It was more just uh, for fans to go, oh, it's Varen. I love Varen. Uh, whatever. She has a little business, though. Not not much. Not enough to make you go, oh, I can see why she was in this book. But, I mean, even the mention of Alana, it's like... I'm convinced yeah. that Varen... Because Varen... Isn't Varen the one that hands Moraine back her clothes after she tests for yes. Aes Sedai? Yeah. I'm convinced that Varen peeked in the notebook and is on to what's going on. With the like, because Moraine's writing all of the names of the kids and, and good, all of her right, notes right. about That's the dragon good. being reborn. Yeah. I'm convinced that Varen knows what was in that notebook. I could see that right. sneaky Varen. That you leads know, to a question, an answer I had to a question we'll talk about later. But when the whole premise is the Black Aja, like your mm-hmm. whole villains, and this is the Black Aja, 
There's Marian. You should probably throw that name in there. Like, yeah. yeah. It fits. At this point, uh, we didn't know that Varen was... Gosh, I no. hope I hope nobody is letting this spoil because that was one of the great no, reveals. Was, I oh hope my gosh. I, I uh, we we didn't know yet because that was in was that like it was like in book final 13. book that was book thirteen I think thirteen or fourteen thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, that was one of my favorite reveals of the entire series. Yeah, so great. What that's a great what, conversation. You know when you when you eventually do the reread, and then when you're rereading and as soon as, soon as Varen pops up, knowing that she's black, you're just like. What are you doing? Black, and black, I, black Aja. Black well, Aja. I want to know: Was she black by this point? Black Aja. Yeah, yeah. In in New Spring, was she? They because I vaguely oh. remember her saying that she. They they get most of the Black Aja gets made Black Aja before they become uh, like they swear before they take the oath. It's the thing they have to do it after Is they that, take the oath yeah. because okay. they have to break the. the gotcha, but they get gotcha. they recruit them beforehand, like you know the way that they do in colleges nowadays, type thing. <laughs> like, right. With the CIA, yeah, the, the NBA. <laughs> Same thing. So you're saying that she's Sydney Bristow in Alias? They recruited her out of college? Sure. I did not watch that series. I get oh, go back I understand the series. reference. I understand the reference. <laughs> go back and watch the series. Um I that was one thing I wondered, but if she was black at that point, then that that makes sense. I just remembered thinking I caught early when she for sure first shows up, I thought there's not something there's something not right. I could see her as being black Aja, and then she reveals herself as Black Aja, and I went, yes, I knew it! And then she gives her ultimate reveal, and I'm like, all right, I can I can respect that, and that's awesome, and that's a great redemption story. And honestly, I would like to see more of Varen's... I would love to see like an, a little side story or an anthology in one of the stories being Varen. An outrigger, if you will. Yes, an outrigger of Varen. What an awkward word her, that is. I think it's awesome. I love that word. Sorry, go on. I, I'd love to see a, a little story in an anthology about her double agency, you know, and, and how she makes that work because that could not have been easy. Well, that was another question actually from yeah, uh, I, from Jafu. Like, what other stories would you like to see? Because there were other ones planned. Uh, one about Tam's life before Rand, which I thought uh, would maybe be great. finding Rand. One following Moraine and Lan uh, right up to the Eye of the World. Um, so he well, asks if you could bring Jordan back from the dead to write one more outrigger book, what would you want to see? I think he was also planning one with Matt and Tuan, uh, reconquering Shan Chen right, after the last right. battle. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, so I don't know that I necessarily need a full book, a full novel, but I would love to see an anthology of eight or 10 stories, you know, 80 pages long or whatever. I want to, I want a history of Ishamael from... The breaking of the world up until now. I also want an Arter Hawkwing outrigger. That's uh, yeah. those are good good choices. And kind of let's be honest, you can write it just about almost any character in the series and have a pretty decent story, except for Valen Lucas Circus. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Ryan wants. He wants more circus. I want a Valen's. I want a circus graphic novel. You don't want a story all about the Athan Mir. <laughs> We're gonna find out that he's actually running some underground. You know. Uh, you know, spy service or whatever, and slave trade. Sure, slave trade. That'll work. There you go. That's a little uh, on the nose for the circus. You know what but... else I would love? A a book of the five. <laughs> <laughs> that was a slow burn. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it again. I'm way off my game today. I, I want. Ken? I want a book about the five great captains. That would be cool. That oh would yeah, be that's awesome. good. So what you and Ryan are reminding me of is uh, all the old Republic novels. From mm-hmm. Star Wars, yeah, kind of get get all those old stories. Uh, my favorite ones are the ones about Exarchun, 
like yeah, that kind yeah. of thing where uh yeah get get Arter hawkwing get the five generals get uh go back to the i mean the age of legends would be like now right but mm-hmm. uh, if you could do the breaking mm-hmm. um do Burgita and um ugly face oh yeah um, oh sure <laughs> what's his bucket guidel 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 thank you wow i would like it did uh, i just pull that out that's awesome yeah Good job. did you hear that yeah that was <laughs> what's amazing Elida's full name what what's elida's full name elida doavrini arroyhan there you go <sighs> boom I would like a Ruark outrigger, like young Ruark. Okay. Yeah, that'd be a good one. That'd be cool. What's Ruark's full name? Ruark. Cool. Good job. <laughs> oh, and I still want my I still want my uh, buddy detective story of, of Loyal and that one Ashaman. I can't remember his oh, name. It started Gal? with a K. What was it? Gal's and Aiel. The Ashaman. Oh, Ashaman. Yeah. Uh, I don't they know. just they don't show know. up briefly after somebody gets murdered and then we never hear anything about their investigation. Yeah. Um, by the way, apparently, according to Refrigerator on Reddit, uh, the Outrigger concept was meant only for the sequels. The, the name Outrigger novels was meant only for the sequels. Mm. And this one, he just con- Robert Jordan just considered a prequel is all mm. that he called it. So whatever. Uh, I guess uh, that's worth something to know that. Um, okay. So the other, let's see, Refrigerator also left a comment that's got to be a thousand words long. And so it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Read the whole it was, thing. <laughs> it was, <laughs> so it was really great. And I much appreciate that it was, uh, that it was there to give us ideas of things to talk about, but no, I'm not going to read the whole thing. <laughs> um, but I wanted to see, now I have to search through and just, uh, make sure that I'm getting the right thing. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. So he says, although the pacing is weird with it becoming the Moraine show and less of a balance between land and Moraine, um, plus it has a single swan POV, which is odd as well. So let's talk about the pacing. Um, we, we've we already brought up, like, uh, was it Ryan was it you that said, like, oh, I was excited for more land, and then he goes away for, like, nine chapters. Mm. You get one chapter, one very short chapter right up front, and then land goes away. Um are we okay with this pacing um, and the structure of this one? I I was put off by it. I kept hoping for more land, and then it was another Moraine chapter, another Moraine chapter. And look, I I am second to no man in my love for Moraine. Um, I I would I would have her babies, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was a little bit put off by like, well, why did you give me that land chapter if? You're just going to abandon him the whole time. I don't know. How'd you guys feel about it? Ryan, say what you're going to say. I just wanted to know if you had to choose between being the baby mama of Moraine or Yasna, who would you choose? Uh, Put your hands together. (laughs) What the hell does that mean? Don't worry about it. Anyway, what was the question you asked that deserved a better answer? (laughs) Something about pacing. Did you? Oh, the pacing with the the whole uh, yeah, land versus marine. Um, I am fine with it. I are you? I am fine with it. Um, because it matches character. Uh, their characters, generally speaking, and uh, it's it's still a good story for me. I just wasn't. It wasn't what I expected. It works, but it wasn't what I was expecting. That's why it kind of threw me off uh, to spend so much time and then just get the little droplets of land along the way until the very end. Um. I, a couple other things that I was kind of expecting going in that didn't pan out the way I thought it would. I kind of expected him to become her warder a little earlier. Yep. 
Um, and I also kind of expected that that would be different than it turned out to be. Like, because Lan was so against the idea for so long that at the end of the logic that she just kind of worked out like, yeah, then, yeah, you're right. That's the way it's got to be. It felt too easy. I've not felt too easy. Like it, it works, but it was just not what I was expecting. Like that's the best way I can describe all the, the pacing and the character breakup, uh, the, the amount of time each one gets is that it Unexpected. works, yeah. but it's not what I was expecting. That's okay. I can still enjoy this. I will probably enjoy it more on a second read through knowing going into it that I, what I'm going to get. I would agree with that mm -hmm. statement for sure for myself. Um, sorry, go Ken. Oh, I was going to say, if you look at it, uh, the way it was originally laid out with the first 15 chapters or whatever, not there, the book is pretty much 50, 50 land and Moraine. So it's really all that stuff that was added on. That is the Moraine stuff. The only thing that, that really like, I can't, <clears throat> excuse me, that really kind of had me rolling my eyes. I, yes, I, I did want more land sprinkled in just because I was, like you say, Ryan, I was expecting it after that first chapter. I was like, why did land we have sprinkles? <laughs> why did, why, why did we, that's for uh, you. <laughs> gosh, you guys are awful. You're on one today. I told you I'm, I'm on four hours of sleep, so we yeah. are rocking this. Um, no, the only thing that, that really kind of had me wishing that things would get moving was actually Moraine's test in the the mm. Tarang Uriel. Mm -hmm. um, somebody pointed out that uh, up to this point, like during the book's run of publication, we hadn't seen that test yet. I know that we get it with Nynaeve and Nguyen, or I, I can't remember exactly who gets to go through and we get to see it. Uh, but in this one, she goes through, she has to do 100 weaves um, under extreme duress. And so there's a hundred situations that she's thrown into and all these Aes Sedai are, are kind of creating these things outside the Turangrial and, and channeling so that she has to go through them. Um, and he describes the first one in great detail and then she succeeds and steps into the second one, which he describes in great detail and she succeeds and she steps into the third one which he describes in great detail. And uh, by that third one, I was like, dude, <laughs> I got it. I'm good. Like maybe it, maybe it would have been better if instead of numbers one, two, and three, he had shown me numbers one, 45, and 93, or you know, 99, or whatever. Um, but for some reason, that really kind of just felt really slow and laborious to me. Which is interesting because I actually, and I, I could be 100% wrong on this, that's the way he treats the ones with Egwene and Nynaeve. Like, they, and they, and they, I they like jumped. those. Maybe it's because I had already read those. And so I'm like, yep, been there, seen this, done that. So, so maybe if, if I had read this like other people had in publication order, maybe I would have been really annoyed with the other ones because also, I've already yeah. seen this. I also wonder to your comments earlier both you and Ryan, the next read through. Like yeah. this, what this book does for both Lan and Moraine overall is demystifies those characters. You get a lot more into their head. You get a lot more how Moraine actually sees and thinks um, and feels. And those three steps into that process really uncovers some of her fears, some of her challenges and all that kind of stuff where, and, and I, to talk about the breakup between how much Moraine versus how much land, I think it's, 
it's pretty equal for their overall character arc as well as like Lan is supposed to be mysterious, even though we're going to demystify him a little bit here, not nearly as much as Moraine. And, and it actually, for me, it gives a better pre- appreciation for how mysterious she becomes over the series, like her growth from, uh, accepted all the way to walking in on Rand in the, the tent after she's been saved by Matt and him seeing her for the first time and, and that mystique that she brings. Um, it just carries that much more weight of like her ability to go from where she was in this book to that is incredible. And you get to experience that journey in this book and you don't get to experience that journey in the larger series. And I think one thing that this might affect in the longer series along those lines is we very much see in this that Moraine is, she's a lot of times on the very edge of breaking the Aes Sedai calm, the Aes Sedai hold there. And so now one thing that I'm taking forward in a future read would be that a lot of those times in the book where she carries herself so well when she's doing that, that she might be more on edge than than, she's letting than we are given to believe that mm-hmm. her Aes Sedai calm is literally face deep. How many How many times has Rand almost been in real big trouble but she you know hung on yeah can i yep i have a tangent but it i just dawned on me when we were talking about this but didn't Egwene? was it Egwene or nynaeve weren't they hiding something also when they were doing their tests they were hiding something in the Egwene was hiding the dream the the turangriel yeah the turangriel right yep which i thought i didn't think it's cool parallels that's a cool parallel i actually thought there was a lot of really interesting parallels between moraine and Egwene as you see them go through and actually Moraine and Nynaeve as well as you see Moraine go through her testing mm-hmm. um yeah it was just kind of co- a cool callback to that so all right so we are coming up on the end of our time here so I wanted to ask an exit question of each of you unless anybody has a, uh, a final burning point that they need to bring up no okay so exit question uh, on a scale of uh, 0 to 10, 0 being this book was not necessary, it shouldn't have been written, and I'm pissed that I had to read it, 10 being The Wheel of Time is not complete without this, and it must be read by anybody who cracks open any of these novels, uh, where do you place New Spring? Ken? Probably a strong 7. I don't think it was necessary I think it was very enjoyable. I don't necessarily think the series is complete without it. Well, th- that's not true. The series is complete without it, but it is not as it is not as as full without it. I guess I should say. Okay. Ryan, hard five. <laughs> okay. I mean, this, it's coin flip on this because you can read fourteen books and enjoy the series, and you're not lose you're not losing anything by not reading this. But you are also getting it's like. Just having another shade of a beautiful color on the on this gorgeous painting, it's it's worth the read. You don't have to have it, so read it or don't. That's really up to you. I would rec- like. I think you should. But I think I think you're missing out on something great. So maybe it's a don't. soft yeah. five that leans towards this, like a five so, five. So not a hard five. It identifies as a six, but it's a five. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, uh, I'm biased. Like this is my favorite series, so yep. I'm going to go with a hard ten. Wow. But the reason being is because. If you've read 14 books, why the hell not finish it out? The way, I think I would compare it to like you could read Mistborn or you could read Stormlight 
and you can get interesting stories there. But if you want the full Cosmere, you have to read everything. And if you want that experience in world in the Wheel of Time, you need to read this and you need to read any of the short stories that have been released and the companion and all that kind of stuff. I think I played I, the video so. game. There you go. So I'm, I <laughs> figure I'm really deep into the so, series. So. I would say I, uh, I would say if you if you've already committed fourteen books, like if you're if you're reading up to book five and you're wondering like oh. Should I finish Wheel of Time? Maybe if I go read the prequel, that'll change my mind or get me re-enthused. No, that's not going to do that for you. But if you read all through all the way through, absolutely pick up New Spring and, and read it because it'll, like we said, it gives you more insight to the lovable characters that you that you've already attached yourself to. And if you're only on book five and you've listened to this entire podcast, we're sorry. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> you, a big you big mistake. You should have known better. Um, all right, so yeah, I think I'm actually number wise. I'm with Ryan. I'm going to give this a five. Uh, it was enjoyable, and I had a great time with it. Uh, was it necessary? Necessary is a is a very specific word. Words mean something, and this was not necessary, uh, but it was still a fun read as far as I'm concerned. Uh, my thing is, after 14 Wheel of Time proper books, uh, I didn't have any trouble wanting to do a reread. Mm-hmm. And so this... Yeah. Does does that make sense? Yeah. So this one mm-hmm. wasn't necessary to get me to get the fire burning again to to read the books, um, but it still served that purpose anyway. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, let's call it there. Uh, thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Make sure that you are subscribed and make sure you leave a note for us on iTunes and give us that five star review because you've listened to this long. You might as well. Uh, and uh, make sure you hit us up uh, on Patreon. Patreon.com slash legendarium is where you can go support the show. Uh, and we have picked up some new patrons in the last week or two and much appreciate those of you who have hopped on board. Uh, I, I do notice everyone. I, I try to send everybody a note in the first week or two, uh, but if I haven't gotten to you yet, I'm sorry. I'll try. Um, anyway, and the legendarium.reddit.com is where you can come join the conversation after and usually before each episode. We hope you do that as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube, uh, Twitch. We haven't used Twitch in two months at least, so <laughs> whatever. Uh, all right, thanks everybody for listening. Next week is uh, finally back over to Blue Team, who is reading Dune. Dune. Getting started on our Dune series. Look forward to that. Dune part Red one, by team, the way. Red team. A week after that, we're going to be starting. I guess it's Red Team. Did we decide on that? Yeah, Red Team. Crimson Team. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting uh, the Night Angel trilogy. So we look forward to seeing you all there. Have a good one. See you next time. Still want to call her Suan Sanchez every time. Slightly different. <laughs> She's from Guatemala. Um, yeah. Sa- Sanchez was the uh, the drug lord in which James Bond movie was it? License to Kill. 
Yeah. Cool story. Featuring Angel. a very young <laughs> featuring a very young Benicio del Toro. Okay.